Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Hey, race fans. This is Matt from In the Marbles. This, this episode is going to be part two of our interview with Jerry Nadu. If you haven't already, go back and listen to last week's episode, part one, and then come back and listen to this week's episode, of the rest of Jerry Nadu's episode in order to get the full story of Jerry's life and career in racing. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and thanks again for listening. Hello to all the Marbleheads out there. We're done with, we're finally done. With our Florida swing, we're heading over to Las Vegas next week, Sin City, for some good old-fashioned racing, and I'm kind of glad to be out of the state of Florida, to be honest with you. But hello, everyone. I'm Matt Beamer alongside Preston Lude for this, our 76th episode of In the Marbles, a conclusion of the Jerry Nadu interview, which is a very good interview. Just again, here with Preston. Preston, how's it going, man? Uh, things are good. Good, man. How's life? Life is good. Counting it's- down those days until you, oh, it's this week. You start next week on the fire department. Yes, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Excited I'm excited for that. Good. Oh, you know what? I'm also excited for. What are you excited for? All the fans out there. No, I'm just kidding. I do love the fans out there. But um, you know, last week you mentioned that you got your tickets for Darlington. I got. I yeah, I got them. And I got mine too. Nice, buddy. So and, at same section too. Okay, so let's just make this perfectly <laughs> clear. For the May race of Darlington, in the marbles will be there. Yes. Trust me, you will know that we're there. I have a surprise planned. You're not going to tell the fans there yet. No. Okay. They'll, they'll see it on Twitter. And let's just say we're trying to give them, bring everybody there. And we're going to have some fun. We're going to tailgate like it's nothing going on. And, and I bought an extra ticket. And guess who else is coming? Who else? My wife. All right. Yes. She's got to. Okay. So we're going to have to have her on the show then. Yeah. After that. Darlington escapades. We're going to have to get her a point of view on everything. Oh, there will be some escapades, I feel. That- Even if it's just the day trip. There's always some kind of escapades that happen in a day trip. I can promise you that. Yeah, remember last year when I went to Darlington for the Southern 500? It, it was just, uh, I thought the gates would open at 6, but no, they opened up at 3 in the race. <laughs> you ended up at, uh, what was that place? You said, you texted me, you went to some random like 
store, I think it was. Or a, well, I went to an independent vendor that was right there by the uh, gas station, and I got you that Paul Menard thing. I, I found that Paul. Oh, Menard. I thought you, but I thought you had said you had ended up somewhere oh, else too. Yeah, on the it was on the back stretch, I believe, or the front stretch. It was on the front stretch, and it was just random like discount store where it was just bins full of stuff yeah, and i thought, yeah, it, I thought yeah, it was yeah. an invent vendor but it turned out it wasn't and people <laughs> it was yeah. weird man people buying one shoe it's like man i, I mean I'll, I'll give you some money for some shoes at walmart man <laughs> i didn't understand it but uh yeah but uh you got a great episode in store we're uh finishing up our jerry nadu episode yep or interview i should say it was so much it was such a great interview and i can't wait for you guys to listen to the rest of that today it's gonna be it's really good, man. It's really oh, yeah. good. Still talking to Jerry. He he's immensely thanked us for having him on the show, and he seemed very excited to be on the show. I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah, he was, and and he and he told me after the show, right when we got off the air, was, um, that he, he misses it so much, and just talking racing. And I told him, you know, I think it's good for you to do stuff like this podcast or whoever, whoever you can talk to just to let people know you're still around and people will remember you and people will appreciate you. And th- that bad card you got dealt at Richmond is unfortunate, but people haven't forgotten about Jerry Nadu. Right. Right. And, Maybe we could have him on in the future just to, you know, shoot the bull or something or ask him, you know, maybe we bring him on for an episode after a certain race and just ask him, you know, Hey, would, if you watched, cause I know he still likes to watch racing. Yeah. Maybe invite him down to Sumter Speed Dirt Track, and yeah. he likes dirt racing. Might as well invite him down to Sumter Dirt Track and mm-hmm. see if he could do that. But yeah. you know, that's it, buddy. That's all that's going on. Oh, and I had a great birthday. Oh yeah, I, how I, was it? It was good. We just Caroline and I just relaxed all day. So you just relaxed and then watched NASCAR. Yeah, pretty much. And you can't really ask for much more. Probably, no, I can't complain whatsoever. But. We are glad that you're here, whether you're on the Unhinged Sports Network or your regular podcast platform. We're glad that you're here. It's great. And I just got one piece of news. Okay. Because we're going to get into the races and stuff, the Xfinity and Cup race from Homestead here. But I got one piece of news, and we're going to go ahead and share it with you guys. In the news here and in the marbles presented by Fubo. Fubo, cut the cord with expensive satellite and cable providers and go with Fubo. You can start your seven-day free trial by heading over to inthemarbles.net at the Partners tab. All the way down at the bottom is your link to Fubo. Go ahead and click on that and take you right to their website. Sign up for that seven-day free trial. You might just be hooked. And that's in the marbles.net under the Partners tab. Fubo TV. Check them out. I've actually signed up for the seven-day free trial, and it's not bad. Oh, okay. It's like just YouTube, just streaming. It's like Disney Plus, except Judge Judy. <laughs> I love it. That's a, that's a great... Uh, what's I don't even know what the word you would use for that is. I I, I almost wanted to say analogy, but that doesn't sound about no, right. No, it doesn't. But yeah, it doesn't really sound right at all. So I got one piece of news, and it's from the Richmond Observer, and it just says this: Logano project in the works at North Wilkesboro Bur- Racetrack, mm. and there's a picture of Joey Logano on pit road, North Wilkesboro Speedway, and he said, "Have a little project in the works. Stay tuned." This is speculation. Okay. This is strictly speculation here. Oh yeah, this yeah, this is big time speculation. The article goes on to read 
A NASCAR driver is teasing fans about the future of a former North Carolina racetrack. 2018 Cup Series champion Joey Logano posted on a photo on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram on Tuesday, standing alongside pit row of North Wilkesboro Speedway. The caption of the photo reads, Have a little project in the works, stay tuned. No other hints were given in the post. The historic track shares a bond with Rockingham Speedway as they were both bought by Speedway Motorsports Incorporated and, and had their racing dates moved to other SMI tracks while North Wilkesboro and Rockingham are closed. North Wilkesboro's last cup race was in 1996. Hopkins won that race. Oh, okay. That's Jeff Gordon wow. won that race in 1996. <laughs> Rockingham was given a second life after former driver Andy Hillenberg bought it at auction for $4 million in 2007. The North Wilkesboro Speedway has been dormant for the past 25 years. SMI still holds ownership of the Speedway. According to the article, Winston-Salem dated in 2007, SMI co- CEO Brunin Smith plans to sell, put a selling price of $12 million on the property. And there have been attempts to purchase the Speedway over the decades, but no deal has gone through. Wilkes County tax record shows a legendary track valued at $1 million. And a 2018 Twitter poll by NASCAR on NBC asking which historic track would fans rather see return Rockingham. Rockingham gained 50% and North Wilkesburg came in second with 26%. Nashville Fairgrounds received only 20%. Logano and other NASCAR drivers participated in the iRacing virtual race at Speedway in 2020 when Dale Jr. and his crew cleaned up their facility for surface scanning. Now... Again, I just read you the whole article. I know it's mm-hmm. kind of long-winded, but I read you the article. But I saw that, and I just thought, how cool would that be to have North Wilkesboro Speedway put back from a driver back into it and at least late model races? Okay, so what I got out of that article was, who who owns it, SMI? SMI. And who who was trying to sell it? Brunin Smith is... is you know, there have been plenty of people trying to buy it over the years, but apparently those because he's selling it for twelve million. But it's the county, is that what you said? The yeah. county says it's only valued at like a million? It's like one point six million. So why in the world is he trying to sell it for twelve million dollars? Well, I mean, just the prestige of the track, I would say. The nostalgia of it. I'm just trying to figure out if they're if they haven't really done anything with it, why hold on to it for so long? I don't know, man. That's what kind of I don't that's like grinds my gears, but like gets me thinking if the track is dormant for so long and there have been attempts to buy it, why are you just still holding on to it and then now you want to sell it for like $12 million? But you've had people approach and want to buy it and nothing goes through. But why are you holding on? Are you holding on to it thinking that maybe you see a future in it or like I'm. Well, SMI bought it, that uh, Rockingham Speedway and North Wilkesboro because they wanted their track dates at Texas. And other tracks to have extra cup dates. Mm-hmm. I know North Wilkesboro closed because of Texas Motor Speedway. Unfortunately, now, the way the current climate is with NASCAR, I could see it going, the shift coming back here to the southeast, vice more out west. We're not racing in California this year, I believe. I, I highly doubt it. If it happens, great. If it doesn't, I, don't think I wouldn't it's be surprised. Going to happen. We're not going to race in New York. No. So why not bring racing back to its roots? But I mean that then that would mean it was probably going to take a couple of years to get those tracks, not only raceable but accommodated again. Because who knows what the conditions? Are. I mean, I haven't checked lately on what the conditions look like with either of those tracks, but they can't be that great. No, it's going to take a little while to get them back up to snuff. But 
and put soft walls in and get them up to the standards of which NASCAR wants the tracks at. But at the same time, if I hit the lottery, that's the first thing I would do is buy Rockingham or North Wilkesboro, put money into Ray Vamp and at least those late model races. Because guess what? I'd fill the stands every weekend. Every weekend. I wouldn't care if it was $12 million. I'd put down $12 million and an additional $12 million to make it up to snuff. Just go walking right up to Bruton Smith and say, here's $12 million. Yeah, I'd just throw down the briefcase and be like, give me the deed. <laughs> and then and then I take that twelve million and put it into the track and start your own series. I put I bring SRX over. I bring SRX come race here. Ooh. That's exactly what I would do. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I, if only. If only. If you want help, that's if, a pretty good idea though. If you want to help out with that, go to teespring.com <laughs> yeah. and, and buy some stuff, and maybe we can earn enough money to do that. But that that's was the only right. piece of news I have, man. Yep. That was the only piece of news I had, and. It's not really news. It's more speculation right now. What's going to happen? But that's okay. Speculation is always good because I'm sure the people at Twitter had a field day with that. I'm sure everybody on their internet had a field day. I didn't see the post, but I saw the article and I said, okay, we got to talk about that. I guess we'll uh, have to wait and see, as we always say. We'll have to wait and see. (laughs) And like I said, if I hit the lottery, oh, hands down, I'd buy it. In a heartbeat. 100%, I'd buy it. Then I get investors to invest money in, and then I revamp it if I, you know. I do kind of like how you made the comment of maybe NASCAR could be kind of coming back to its roots in the southeast, maybe looking into it or something, you know. NASCAR's going in a little bit of a different direction these days with all the different tracks that we have on the schedule. And all these, what did we say before, seven road courses I think it was on the schedule? Yeah, we just seven ran road one. now, yeah. We just got done with our Florida swing, which, okay, I'm not going to lie, we'll, trans- we'll start to transition here and get into Homestead, but in my opinion, I've kind of liked the way that these first three weeks have gone with our whole Florida swing. You know how we have we used to have the West Coast swing right after Daytona. I kind of like this whole Florida swing kind of thing. It's kind of cool. You know, it's as the as the commercial went for NASCAR, this was gonna be the best season ever. And you know how I thought that I was like before the season started, I'll even admit, I was like, ah, we'll see about that. But so far, the first three weeks have been pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Three different first-time winners. In fact, we're just going to roll into that. We're going to roll into our race review here of Homestead before we get to Jerry Nadeau. Homestead, I, I feel, now, I wasn't there. I wish I could have been there the whole time. I feel like races are more fun when you're at the track, hands down. But Homestead didn't do it for me this year, dude. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I'm a, When we get into the rating the race... I don't, maybe you might have a little bit lower than I will, but I kind of, I will say this. I found the Xfinity race to be a bit more exciting than the cup race again. Yeah. Again, Xfinity won it for me, but I don't know, man. Both races were just kind of, meh. Well, my ratings, I think my overall ratings were both kind of close for both, but I would say Xfinity wins it for me. Yeah. I would say Xfinity won it for me too, only because of what happened with Noah Gregson. Now let's talk about this because you wanted to bring this up. Oh yes. So I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. The whole Noah Gregson thing for anybody that, doesn't know out there that may have missed Noah Gregson. I can't remember how many second lead he had with two. I think it was two to go, two or three to he go. Had like an eight second lead. Yeah, man. it was it was astronomical the amount of lead that he had on the second place car. Yeah, so I think he was coming for two to go, or maybe it was for the white flag heading into turn three. It was definitely more than two to go. I think it was two to three to go. Yeah, I think it, I think it was three. I can't remember, but it doesn't matter because he wrecks anyways. So <laughs> heading into turn three. David Starr was running that middle line. He was on the lead lap. I think he was David Starr 12th was twelfth or thirteenth. Yeah, he was. 
He was on the lead lap. David Starr was on the lead lap at the time of this incident. Yeah, and he had a tire go down. Running very well, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. He had a tire go down, and I mean, like, it was so weird to watch it on TV because Gregson goes into the corner, and then David Starr just shows up in the picture all of a sudden, and he ran right into the back of him. And at first, I was not listening. I had it kind of zoned out because I was doing some stuff in the garage at the time, but I had it on the TV, and I looked up, and they were just talking about it. No, Gregson's crashed. And I was like, whoa, what just happened? And then you go back and look at the replay and it's like, uh, I mean, maybe he got loose or something. And then they say he had a tire going down. Okay. Things happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, then when it's they, racing, nothing's yeah, guaranteed racing until it. the checkered flag falls. Nothing's guaranteed. And so when they interviewed Gregson it was being interviewed and he, I, I can't get the exact quote right, but he said something along the lines of something along the lines of like, man, these dip needs to get out of the way. Yeah, and he, he yeah. sounded like he was referring to multiple people. But I think he was referring to well, David uh, Starr. Yeah, obviously, he was referring to David Starr. Exactly. So when he said that, at first they didn't – I don't. I think I had missed what they had said before. So when he came out and said that about him, I didn't know that the tire got, had gone down yet. So I was like, well, this guy's really upset about something. And then I was looking on Twitter and they're like, he's on the lead lap. He had his tire go down. And I'm like, okay, so then why is this guy – Maybe he's jumping the gun. Noah Gregson was not jumping the gun because he stood by it on Twitter. And I have screenshots, and I'm going to oh, read it real okay. quick. I have screenshots on this. While because- you bring those up, I'll, I'll tell you my two cents about that. I was listening to Noah's radio, expecting him to come across the line and win the race. Dominating effort all day. And they talked about it from the top of the show all the way through the race that he wanted to redeem himself from last year's race where he finished, I believe, second in he wanted to redeem himself. He had a great race, sad race, and didn't work out. And it didn't work out for him whatsoever that race either. When that happened, the scanner on the app is ten to fifteen seconds ahead of what happened. What you see on TV, right? So I'm listening to his scanner, and then I hear, "Oh, what the crap!" And I'm like, "Well, that doesn't sound good." I look up and I see the accident. I'm like, "Okay, that explains it." He starts going on. These people need to get a freaking driver's license in order to be out on this track. I went. All right, well, he hit a car from the rear. It's obvious what happened. Everybody saw it. But then you watch the replay, and David Starr, you're right, was in the middle. He comes up fast. He didn't just kind of slide. You didn't see him wobble. No. I didn't see him wobble. It looked like a tire was going down. A tar tail sign of a tire going down just straight right into the wall. Right into the wall. Unfortunately, Noah had nowhere to go. Running that top line all day. The top line is the preferred line at Homestead. If you could get right up there in that air bubble, mm-hmm. it's perfect. You've run the race well. Noah's 22 years old. I remember when I was 22 years old, I wasn't as mature as I am now. Now, I, granted, I'm 35. I'm sure people 65 would say, you know nothing yet, kid. Back when I was 22, I didn't have a filter. When I was upset with something, you knew about it. Mm-hmm. Now, now I you know grow up a little more and say, okay, hold your tongue, walk away, And then talk about it. Yeah, you need to think about it, process it. And unfortunately with Noah going out at the Eric Philkins Care Center, dropping all this stuff and dropping this, I get it. He's frustrated. I would be too. 22, 35, if I just lost a race with about two to go because of an accident. Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law, exactly. That I would be upset too. And I I don't blame him one bit for being upset. you can't blame him at all, but you got to... You have to kind of... Think and about it's it. It's so sometimes. tough. No, it is so tough. 
And I'm trying to talk to directly to Noah if he's ever listens to this and go, dude, you're going to have plenty more chances to win. That guy's going to go somewhere in the Cup Series if he keeps on this road. Keep developing. But at the same time, man, you don't want to be labeled as a Kyle Busch. You don't want to be labeled as a Tony Stewart and have your on-track action and activities and accomplishments be overshadowed by your bad attitude. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Yeah, and I get it. He's fast. This is the first time I think Noah Gregson, as far as I can remember, has showed his rear end like that. Mm-hmm. But every driver's guilty of it. Jeff Gordon's been guilty of it. Of course, at the time he was a four-time Cup champion, and you know, he, he said that same thing to Brad Keselowski mm-hmm. after Texas. So every driver, I feel like, is guilty of it. Emotions are high, and right after they get out of the infield care center, they got a microphone shoved in their face because mm-hmm. you know they yeah. want that raw. Yeah. Emotion coming out. It sells, you know, for next year's event, next year's Xfinity race. You know, it's a bummer for Noah, but handle it differently, kid. Yeah, and- don't don't get me wrong. I like, you know, when he said that, I, it kind of kind of brings me back to years and years ago when we, you know, guys were getting frustrated being interviewed. And that's kind of cool. I like it when controversy comes up because I kind of like I like that in this sport. It's nice to know that there's still guys that really, really care about it like that. But when you, I mean, it's a, there's a fine line. You can, I understand that he's frustrated, but at the same time, I've kind of learned myself as well. When things happen, you really want to say something. And then in your mind, you're like, well, maybe I should just take a step back and think and oh, let me yeah. get the whole story before I say anything else. And it's tough when you have that microphone shoved in your face right after you're racked and coming out of the airfield, infield care center. I don't know what the rules are, but Kyle Busch said it best. I'm here because I won't get fined. I don't know if they get fined. I think NASCAR, if if that's the case, they need to look, relook at that. I don't. I think you can turn down an interview. That's probably the best thing to do. Hey, let me walk away. No, if he would have gotten on the the mic and said, you know, if they asked him, hey, what happened out there, and he would have said, you know what, it's just it was just an effing racing incident, and it really effing sucks. I've been like, oh, that's great, cool, you know, you know, take the take the fine for cursing on TV, whatever. But you know what, you showed your frustration, and people like it. Like, yeah, because what? Guess what? After that, you know, Adam Alexander would have said, uh, "We apologize for Noah's uh, language, sir." Yeah, but that would have been it. That would have been <laughs> it, and been everybody would have been like, "I understand his frustration," and that's it. So Eric Estep, who's a pretty popular person on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's a NASCAR YouTuber, and I actually met him once at Disney World. Oh, did you? He liked my hat. It was actually the same hat I'm wearing on and wearing right now. Oh, okay. And I recognized him. This is a quick little okay. side story here. <laughs> so we were at the Tower of Terror. Oh, Hollywood and, Studios. And yeah, okay, we're at the Hollywood Studios. I apologize. Tower of Terror is fine. Okay, we're in line, and, and it's I I know people's faces. If so I, if you I, weren't like staring at him awkwardly, were you? I, was, I, I caught him and I went, <laughs> that guy looks familiar. And, if my, and I'm Caroline standing next to me and I, she said, and Caroline will tell you, if I say that, I'm not lying. You look familiar. I've seen you before. Kind of like Deacon at the firehouse. I was like, I know you. <laughs> so he said, nice hat. And I'm like, you're that guy. You're, you're the guy. You're the guy. And. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I walked up to him and he's working. And you know, these cast members follow a strict rule. Yeah. I tried to break every one of that. I gave him a card. I'm like, dude, we're in the Marvels. We just started the podcast, man. We were like in our second week of doing the show. So we sounded like crap if he listened to it. But man, yeah, I, I walked up to him. He said, nice hat. It's like, dude, I love your stuff. But he wasn't like enthusiastic back because he's working. Mm-hmm. He's a cast member at Disney. And my goodness, if they interact with him. But it was so cool meeting him. You know, that was my story of Eric. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that was, I, that was pretty I don't. Neat. I can't remember if you ever told me that story. No, I don't I, think you did. I haven't told anybody that. That's pretty neat, though. That's. I, I didn't fo- even know he worked at Disney. Well, I followed him on Twitter thinking he'd follow us back because I gave him a card and he hasn't followed us back. Ah, <laughs> Apparently, no. we don't say stuff like, but, you know, it's funny. He's more established and stuff, and people will agree to him all the time. But he gets in Twitter wars that you're going to bring. bring yes, of- that I'm going to bring up right here. Erica Stepp <laughs> tweeted out, I quote, Eric's words here. Love Noah, but the 13 was having a great race and just happened to blow a tire at the worst time. Not worth calling him a dip after that incident. Completely get why he's upset, but it's hard to blame anyone. When well, Noah Gregson replied back to him. One day we will have drivers reply back to us. <laughs> no, yeah. Because <laughs> I tweeted something that race too. It's like the divider thing. And that caught a lot of, that caught Brian Barnhill's eye. But anyway, go ahead. So Noah Gregson tweets back and he just puts an, ast- an asterisk at the front or it's like a start, whatever. And he just put, didn't blow a tire. I was like, okay. So I took a screenshot real quick because I was like, oh man, this is great. I don't want to lose. I saw where he had replied. So I was like, oh, I have to take a screenshot really fast. Erica Sepp replies again. Flat, broken part, whatever specifically caused it. I think it's safe to say Star's goal wasn't to throw away a top 15 finish by sending his car straight into the wall in front of the leader. Noah Gregson replies back, got loose and slid up and pounded the wall. False. And I'm like, boy, Noah Gregson is really sticking to this story. Right. And I don't know. I haven't seen any kind of pictures, if there were any, of David Starr's tire, if they ever took it off the, you know, took a picture of it after taking it off the car. But They should have. I mean, even, okay, so here's here's my thing. Even if it's not a flat tire, he's running the center line and he's on the lead lap, which... I mean, that's fair game. You're on the lead lap. You're trying to stay in front of the leader. I mean, he's playing a distance back. And right. let me, like I said, he's running, the, he's running the center line into the corner and Noah Gregson's running the wall. He got loose. Even if he didn't cut a tire down, it's a racing incident. He was on the lead lap in the top 15. This isn't like a Kyle Busch thing talking about Quinn Halfer, whoever oh, it was yeah, last yeah. year, who was running like in the 30s. We're talking about a guy in the top 15 that's on the lead lap. Yep. And you're getting upset over that. And then what and what again, did he say? Because I know again, you brought it up and Matt Weaver had even tweeted it out. Oh, when he's no when Noah said something about the guys need to get a driver's license, of course he used an F word in there too, but driver's license before they come out here. Well, I don't think David did anything wrong, but no. we could we could skin that cat we can make a whole episode about that. But right. rating the races, memorability, excitement, intensity, competitiveness, and unpredictability. We're gonna go from memorability all the way down, starting with Cup. And congratulations to Mike Snyder for winning his first Xfinity race and William Byron. William Byron winning the Cup race. That was unexpected. He wasn't in anybody's fantasy lineups. I feel he wasn't in any of mine. No, I. but I did. Now, I wish I kind of would have maybe picked Larson to win because I didn't think he was going to be up there towards the end like that. I mean, I knew he was probably going to be in the top 10. My pick was... I mean, Bowman, I can't, I think he finished like ninth, but I mean, Hendrick Motorsports had a strong day altogether, though. I, I tell you who didn't win Kevin Harvick. 
<laughs> Whoops. Anyway, so are we starting with Xfinity on this one? We're starting, we'll start off with Xfinity on okay. this one. Memorability. I put seven down. I gave it an eight. Okay. You know, it was, Fair enough. It was memorable, but at the same time, Mike Snyder winning his first race, that was about the most memorable part of it. And the Noah Gregson stuff. It was, it was a good race. It just wasn't the best. I was switching back and forth, to be honest with you, from the ARCA race to that one. The ARCA race seemed a little more exciting. Ooh. And for the cup. I give it a six for memory. Me too. Me too. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it was it just was, like, it was okay. You it know? Was, I wouldn't say it was, uh, what's, man, I can't remember. I always lose like what kind of phrases I want to use. It was not, I wouldn't say it was the usual, but Homestead's well, usually a pretty good race. My uncle texted me and he said, what makes a race memorable to you? I said, in a race like this at like Homestead where drivers need and crews need to keep up with the racetrack in order to keep adjusting and keep going. And, you know, comers and goers and stuff like that and he said text me when that happens i didn't text him i said well <laughs> it just wasn't because yeah. all eyes were on chris busher there for a little while yeah during the first stage yeah and uh he just disappeared but anyway in mem- excitement for, for xfinity ex- race i gave it an eight i gave it a seven all yeah, right it was exciting but it, again it was just like yeah was i gave a- i gave the cup race a seven for excitement i gave it a six okay Cup race didn't win. Fair the, enough. Cup race didn't win the weekend again this weekend. Hopefully, Las Vegas is better. Intensity. You gave it eight for the Xfinity. I gave it an eight as well. For the eight. cup, I gave it a seven. I gave it an eight because there were comers and goers. It just wasn't with this low horsepower, high downforce package. It sucks. I hate it. I hate the package. The more and more I'm doing it or going through this, the more and more it just sucks. Competitiveness. I gave both Xfinity and Cup 8 for this one. Yep, I did too. I you thought know, there was enough lead changes in there between both races. I felt like you had to keep up with the track in both events. I feel like you yeah. had to keep up with the changes of that and the tire management and all that stuff. So, And I like races like that where we start late in the afternoon. We don't have to worry about weather, of course. Late in the afternoon, transitioning over to night. I mean, you get kind of like the best of both worlds. Well, only- because Tyler Reddick didn't have anything for the first half of the race. And then he talked about it in the post-race interview. He's like, I don't know what happened. I don't know what it is about this track, but during the day we kind of suck, and then when it's nighttime, all of a sudden all the problems go away. <laughs> well, I, what I liked about the Xfinity race is I wanted to see a fuel mile rage. I wanted to see if Noah Grayson could make it on fuel. I wanted to see all that. I knew a few other drivers could make it on fuel, but then the caution came out and neglected all that. Everybody pitted, but anyway, unpredictability. I gave it an eight on both ends. I gave a seven for Xfinity and eight for Cup because of. People up front weren't up front at the end of the race, and people in the back were up front. Overall, 7.8 for the Xfinity and 7.2 for the Cup. 7.2 for the same for the Cup as well. For me, 7.6 for Xfinity. Kind of middle of the road races. Not yeah, the we best were kind one. of both in the same ballpark for that one. I, I, I mean, so. I will say the Cup race did go a little bit different than I thought it probably would have gone. Right. I was kind of expecting a, maybe a Hamlin to dominate or Kevin Harvick, but you know what? Didn't really have that happen, which is good. No, yeah, it's true, man. But uh, you got anything else for all the for any of the races this weekend? No, I just like to say that I was not disappointed with either race this weekend. I thought they were both pretty good, and I'm glad to see William Byron win. Michael Modell got another top ten. Which yep. fun fact: Kevin Harvick and Michael McGow are the only two drivers that have gotten that have finished in the top ten in all three races so far this season. So this two season's forwards. off to an interesting. Start, I guess you could say. If you're Michael McDowell, for real it is. So we'll have to see what happens with Las Vegas next week. But other than that, I really was kind of pulling for Tyler Reddick. If I think I feel like if Tyler Reddick would have had a couple more laps to work on Sunday, 
and not get caught up in that battle for second place between you know him and Larson and Truex. I mean, Tyler Reddick was looking like he was shot out of a cannon. NASA probably shot him off because yeah. he was flying. So congratulations, Mike Snyder, William Byron. But I got nothing else. You know, I'm just ready to see what happens with Las Vegas next. Preston, I'm getting ready for Las Vegas too, and you can catch our race day show exclusively on the Unhinged Sports Network every race day at 9 a.m. And now we got our second part of the Jerry Nadeau episode coming up, but not before we hear a few ad reads if you're listening to us on the Unhinged Sports Network and one from us if you're listening on your regular podcast platform. This is In the Marbles, and we'll be right back with part two of the Jerry Nadeau episode after these messages. Yeah, me too, bud. And before we get into that, we're going to go listen to a few ad reads and from ourselves and the Unhinged Sports Network. This is In the Marbles, and we'll be right back after this. All right, Matt, before we move any further, guess what month it is? It is the month of March. Month of March, and that means we got a new discount for our Teespring store. What's our discount code, Preston? Discount code this time around will be Formula One. The word formula, and then the number one, of course. All one word. That makes sense, because NASCAR was last started off last month. Formula One starts up this month. Yep. At the end of the month, we'll get the Formula One season underway. So if you head over to inthemarbles.net, Go into the merch tab, head over to the Teespring link. You know, well, we could probably forget about hoodies at this point because it's say, hot outside. I would say he's throwing in warm-up now. Yeah, hoodies, so those till the fall. T-shirts, you know, hat, uh, hats, right? Yeah, well, in the works. In the works. Okay, so T-shirts, mugs. There's other things over there. I'm sure there's a whole list of stuff. I don't want oh, to yeah. name it all because why would I name it all? Nobody's going to go over there and look in. Yeah, just head over to inthemarbles.net under the merch tab and check it out. Yeah, inthemarbles.net under the merch tab, Teesprings. Don't forget... At Formula One for twenty percent off this time. That's right, twenty percent off. This off so that's a pretty good till deal. Till the this end time of March, till the end of March. So Formula One twenty percent off till the end of March. Go check it out in the marbles.net. Scroll over the merch tab, you'll find the Teespring link. more weight on your shoulders that you needed to perform or did you feel like maybe this was kind of like a reset and you you had this with because Hendrick Motorsports that's that's a big team back then as well yeah I mean it was a, it was a new deal for me and it was a you know with Michael Holligan and yeah I, mean, I was excited it was literally a pain in the ass I'd drive there all I'd go there almost every day <laughs> you know and, and it was fun I mean who who else wouldn't want to drive for one of the greatest teams in, in NASCAR yeah but I mean, it's hard yeah. like what I mean hard work it, you know you know i think we kept a little bit i think we much to ourselves you know where you know jeff gordon is up on top of the hill terry labani's on the other side and and we were on the bottom of the hill and you know all the crew chiefs would have meetings every week but yeah i mean it, it was it was fun do, do you feel um because 2000 was really your breakout year it was really the year i think Everybody noticed more so Jerry Nadu as a driver, as a competitor, especially being in that high stable. Yeah, and this is what I mean. This people were afraid to talk to me because I was, I don't know, maybe hard headed or, but I was not. I was, I don't know. I, I just, you know, it's like, uh, it was different. It was just, I just didn't feel like, well, besides that, I felt like for me, I would have been better off with a team that wasn't so looked at as like a top team i think i like just like richard petty when i drove for them we almost won at sonoma and you know when we went when i when i at mb2 
motorsports we ran well at. I think it was Richmond with the, the, the weekend. I, you know, I felt better, I think, for me as a driver, where it was a lower-funded team than a top team where they expected you to be top-notch. You know, like, you know? And that's the thing that was different for me. I think I, I wish I would have been more prepared or talked to. I mean, it was it was fun. I mean, I don't know what else it could have, you know, how else it could have gotten better. Maybe if I would have kept my mouth shut or maybe if I would have not been so upset or I wanted to do better and, and I wasn't getting the results. But yeah, our 2000, we had a great year. We, we I think we had 10 top 10, six top fives. We led a lot of laps. We won Atlanta. You know, the following year, we, I just had bad luck. I don't know what it was. And this is where I mean is I almost feel like I needed to, I wish someone could have just sat me down and said, Jerry, it's three hours long. It's not, it's not 25 laps. So I'm going back to when I was. I'm looking at myself and I'm saying, you know what? God, I wish I would have just laughed. I, I just wish I would have just took the race and realized that, you know what? I'm going to sit in this car for four hours and I'm just going to do the best job I can. And that's the way I, I should have done it unless instead of, you know, driving myself to the edge every lap for, you know, for all those years. But I think that's that's kind of why I, I, you know, I got in a lot of opportunities. You know, I had to back then. I had nothing else to fall back on. You know, I did, you know, do I go back home and, and pump gas and, and, and race on the weekends at, you know, some bull ring? <laughs> I, I wanted to go, you know, wherever I knew I could make a living. Because I, I feel like that I deserve to be there. And, and you know, the same thing with Hendrix. I mean, I, I, I thought it was a fun road. Um, unfortunately, it didn't. Uh, I mean, the last things changed, you know. And, then, and, and it just didn't work out. And I left after two and a half years and went to back to MB2 Motorsports, the team that I started with when, when Ernie got hurt. Do, do you feel like... And and this is just from the outside looking in and being with a team like Hendrick with Jeff Gordon and Terry Labine and then upcoming Jimmy Johnson right right in two thousand two. I mean, I'm I'm sure Hendrick, if he were sitting here, would say something completely different. But do you feel like within an organization like that, that the Jeff Gordons and the established drivers get the top notch equipment and then? maybe drivers within the organization like yourself maybe just get like, you know, it, it's a B plus a minus equipment. You know what I mean? No, not at all. Not at all. Listen, it's all teamwork. It's all preparation. It ain't got nothing to do with nothing. I, I remember, uh, we picked the third best motor for it, Vegas one year and we were the fastest car at Vegas at Hendricks. So it's got nothing to do with motor. It's got, it's got a lot to do with handling and you know, it's got a lot to, to do with cars and it's got a lot to do with preparation. It's got a lot to do with the crew chief and driver being on the same page. And that's it. I, I mean, I think, uh, I, I'm so pleased to see Michael McDowell win the 500. That was the coolest thing I, I see. I saw last week. And then, uh, again with Christopher Bell getting his first win, 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. In the cup car, you know, congratulate those guys. But no, we're we're all those guys are talented. They got they everything was set up perfect for them. You know that Terry Labonte's, you know Terry had tons of experience. You know he won a championship with the forty four car. I can't remember the name of the can't remember the name of the team the 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 Piedmont car uh, before he got to Hendricks. Uh, and Jeff was the he was the upcoming star. So when you put a star in a good team, he's going to do something. And that's exactly what, what Jeff did. Me, I was I was uh, a, a name just coming up. You know, I wasn't a superstar. I wasn't, I was just a guy that was hungry, that was pretty good, that was, you know, damn good in or in the road racing stuff. He won some races and, and he wants to go soccer race. And that's what I did. I got in there and uh, made a career at it. You know, unfortunately got out because of, uh, of the injury. So Jerry talking about, you know, talking about all this winning when you let's go back to when you finally got that first career win at Atlanta. What did that feel like? Did that feel like did it just feel like everything finally paid off that you 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 got the win and you made it finally? Yeah, I mean, I I always felt like I may, I I need to be there. I I that didn't change. I I mean, I'm a go-getter. I'm a hungry guy. I'm a hungry driver. I I just, you know, I may not have done some things like I should back then, but you know, I rate, I, that's all I did my whole life. And, you know, to race overseas and race some, so, you know, I raced with Juan Pablo in, in the, in the road, in the open wheel cars. And here's an F1 driver. I raced with Kenny Brack, who was a Indy car champion, you know, and you know, I beat him. He beat me in, in a bar open wheel road racing car. So I felt like I needed to be there, you know, whether it was NASCAR IndyCar F1. You know, another story I want to say, in 90, in 90, after 95, I did those three, four push races. I forgot to tell you guys. 96, I had I had nothing. And a guy by the name of Dan Partell from Luxembourg called me and says, hey, we need an American driver to run in the Formula Open Euro Series. And I was, I was the guy. I was like, I'm in, you know? He he saw me. He heard about me. He knew that how well I did in the barber dodge races. He saw how I was aggressive. Um, he saw me. He, you know, he heard about me at the festival, and he took a shot on. And he uh, we did a deal where we did the first three races, and he says all I had to do was pay for my plane ticket. He says everything else I will take care of. Everything hotels, everything. So I got people to help 
with funding for the hotel, went to Europe. I did the whole season. We, we were the highest in, in American ever in the Formula Opal series. Uh, we should have won Austria ring, but one of the corner marshals got killed while I was leading the race and they canceled it and they went back by qualifying where I qualified second. So, but we ran good. We had, I think five or six uh, podiums out of uh, 10 races. You know, after the three races, I came back home and I didn't do two races. So I missed, I missed two races and still finished fifth in the championship. And so I did an F3000 test that year in 96. And it went so good that they wanted me to stay and do F3000 for 97. And I got cold feet and I got nervous and I came back home. And I, I, can, I wish I could turn back time, but I can't change anything. And I don't know if I ever would have went back to Europe and did that. I think it kind of, you know, being an American, it, I, you kind of get pulled out here a little bit too much. And even though I grew up really hard and tough, I enjoyed living in America. I enjoyed living here. And I, I, I couldn't see myself living, you know, over there and in, in whether it was Europe or, or Austria or Luxembourg, wherever. I just, uh, I think I would miss my friends and my family, you know, just taking off. So that's when I decided, you know, just to come back and focus mainly on, on stock cars. And when you did that, it seemed to me, and just based on looking at your career stats, you did really well at the mile and a half. So I'm talking to Texas, Atlanta's, Charlotte's, and then, of course, Watkins Glen and Sonoma. What made those tracks your niche, your type of driving style? Realistically, I probably should have had maybe, I can count five easy wins that we should have had. But we got that, you know, one lousy win. <laughs> Which I'm so grateful. I can't. I'm so excited. I have my trophy in my mantle. But we just had tough luck. I was really good on the mile and a half. I don't know why. I have no clue. You know, because it's you're on the edge, and and to be fast on the mile and a half, you got to be on the edge a little bit. Not saying that I didn't wreck a lot of cars. I mean, I, yeah, I got. I had my shares of wrecks, but I think I just had a really good feel at going fast on the mile and a half. Look at look at look at how it started with Elliot. You know, when he, he picked me up in this helicopter and he says, hey, I want you to come test. And I, and I tested the 94 McDonald's car at Atlanta and I put the thing on fire in turn three. And then, you know, so you would think you would hate it, but it, which they did. I was like, oh my God, this is scary. I, you know, this is, a, this is after our test. But then I loved Atlanta after that. I loved it, every bit of it. I loved Charlotte. I loved Dover. I loved, you know, I love them all. You know, I think Bristol. Uh, I think Bristol is a crapshoot. Even though I like it there, it's a crapshoot. You don't. You know, I me mean, back when we were racing, it was a, it was a dog fest. I mean, it was like crashing, and and you know, you had to be so relaxed. You know, to do the five hundred laps, and you know, there were so many wrecks back then. It was so different. Where now, it just seems like it's more. Everything's flowing really easy. You know. Yeah, 100%. I see that every short track race now where it used to be like a junkyard after the race. Now it's oh, yeah. coming back in pristine condition, it seemed like. Well, I think I think what happened is back then when we got in the limelight in Cup, we were all hungry. We were all going at it. You know, there was, you know, we just, we, we put on the show. We had to put on the show. We And every driver drove their ass off. And it's like we, we had to, to go. And I think, you know, you had trouble. 
back then. You had, you know, you had the Earnhardt, you had the, the Gordons, you had, you had a, a lot of the fast guys. Um, you're not saying that you don't have them today. I just think today's a little different. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's the nicer uh, cup series. It's, you know, it's more laid back. It's more, you know, people are being a lot more kinder. You know, where back then, you know, you were dumping people, you were spinning people out, you were wrecking people at times. I don't think I ever did. Um, I don't, I, yeah, I, I realistically can't say when, if I ever wrecked anybody on purpose. But, you know, I, I just think it was a lot tougher um, back then. You know, plus we hit harder. You know, you, you didn't have the safer barriers, which, thank God, you know, ever since my accident, you know, they, well, after the Earnhardt incident, they, well, yeah, actually, after my accident at Richmond, they put the safer barriers up the next week. So, yeah, I, I wish I would have hit the safer barriers. But, yeah, that was a hard-ass hit. That, yeah, I can't, you wouldn't realize what, what a hit like that does to your, to your head. I, I could only imagine. Now, now you do bring up a good point because I remember I think it was the 2000 Coke 600 where you were up there leading in your debut season for Hendrick and uh, you moved Dale Earnhardt. And uh, we're not moved him, but, you know, you gave him a little shot and he moved out of your way, which you didn't see much of. And uh, that was that was really neat to uh, watch. I Of course, I watched it, the highlights of it, but that was really neat to uh-huh. see you up there doing that. Yeah, I again, I loved Charlotte. I don't know why. I, I loved Charlotte. We had that chance in, in uh, I think it was 2000 or 2001, um, where I was bad pass um, at Charlotte. It was going to be me, but it was if it wasn't me, it was going to be Bobby Labonte because we were the only two up front. Um, you know, I think Junior was up there at times and Dale, but uh, we were just wicked fast. And, and they, had, they had a yellow because of ring. And... Right before the yellow, I thought I felt the car losing power. Even though we had a big, we had a good sized lead, I felt like the car was losing power. So we sat around for a couple hours, and then we went back racing. And the car started smoking, and the motor let go. Yeah, not long after we went back racing. So yeah, it, that that's happened a lot. I mean, I mean, I think in two thousand one we. We led Atlanta till the last lap. I took the white flag and we had like an eight point second lead over Bobby Labonte and we ran out of gas coming off turn two. And I literally coasted across the finish line in third place, you know, like doing like 30 miles an hour. So that's the kind of lead that we had. But another cool race that, that I totally, totally enjoyed was the Sears Point race with Richard Petty. Yeah, that was another um, close one. I mean, you were just, I mean, what three laps from the finish and your rear end gave out? Oh my goodness! Yeah, we're we're we're, we're going up. Yeah, we were going up for the white flag coming off turn uh, last turn, whatever it was, thirteen, eleven, whatever it is. And then we were coming off. And um, what happened? Here's the thing: we we were bad. We were awesome at at Sonoma and uh, loved the petties, and I was so stoked, and everyone's excited, and I started getting really loose. I was like, holy, you know. I'm like, and, and, and the guys like, or Gary, I can't remember, Greg Sedman, who my crew chief was with the Petty, he says, hey, dude, you're fine. You've got an eight-second lead. You're good. You're coming up for the white flag. And then we come off turn 11 or 13, whatever it turn is, and spun the gears, and that was it. So what, what happened while I was getting loose is the oil plug came out of the rear end, and it dumped a bunch of grease and all, and 
a lot of the turns and I was like, so that's kind of where I got the loose from and we spun the gear. It, it, it broke and that was it. I was sat in the infield right before the, the finish line before the white flag. And, um, you know, we were leading for, you know, within the lap and a half and it was in our hand. And, and I, I think, you know, when they interviewed Ricky Rudd, when he won it, he said that he would in there, you know, he had no chance of catching, uh, Jerry. So that was cool, but it was heartbreaking for me because I've had so many weird deals where I, I just, you know, if, if this and if that, but you know, you, I guess you make your own luck sometimes. Yeah, I remember watching that race, and I was pulling for you because I didn't want to see Ricky Rudd win, and uh, I wanted to see you win, and I was I was pretty heartbroken over that. And I can only yeah. imagine how you felt, you know. And I saw the interview, and I just saw the look on your face. Just, uh, well, I felt Rick, it. Yeah, Ricky paid me back though. Ricky's, a, I love Ricky. Ricky, did, I he lives over here in Huntersville. And he, I I was hurting because I I didn't work. I haven't worked. I haven't really worked a, a, a good job or a real, I haven't had a paid deal. So um, I called him and I said, Ricky, is there anything that I can do? Any, so I, I, he got me to do uh, a paid appearance, I think maybe five, six years ago. And it was a really cool experience, paid appearance where they taught you talk in front of doctors, like about injuries and stuff. And I think they wanted me to go, because I was injured, you know, because I got injured. So I got to thank him for, for getting me that appearance. That, that helped out a lot. And yeah, like, life goes on, dude. You know, when you, when you're there, you're there. When you're out, you're, you're out right now. I'm kind of out, but I'm, I'm always, I'm still going, I'm still moving. I've got my, I, I worry about my kids all the time. I, I do continual, continually look for stuff to do. I, I had jobs you know, race or driving jobs last year. I, I do a lot of riding drives for manufacturers, um, but it died ever since 94 or I'm sorry, ever since uh, November of last year, I haven't done anything. So my wife and my kids can't wait till I get out of the house. But, you know, yeah, I, I, I do enjoy being, you know, being around for them, but yeah, I, I would be nice to get something uh, where I'm, I'm, I'm back either back on the road or doing something. Well, I mean, and, and let's, let's travel to, uh, 2003, um, the inevitable questions of this interview and, you know, Richmond that weekend. Um, what do you, do you remember anything about that hit? No, no, I, I, I remember, I do remember the breakfast. I remember oatmeal and toast. I tried to remember. I, it, it kills me, but I don't remember nothing. No, absolutely nothing of the day. But that's good, though, because, yeah. you know, the the brain has, you know, whether God or, or brain or, or the way we're wired, you know, it, it, it makes you forget what really happened. You know what I mean? Oh, you yeah. know, it was yeah. a bad, you know, and I, 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 I used to have dreams, dreams of, you know, my accident and how, um, you know, what the hell happened? You know, then I had I remember getting emails from people. Hey, yeah, the, the track was seeping water. You should sue NASCAR. You should sue Richmond. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of laughing like, really? Was it really seeping water? You know, so I don't know. You know, I had a weird group. I had a, a really weird line in Richmond, and I was the fastest car that weekend. Uh, we qualified 10th, 
and in happy hour right before the race, I was, I think, fastest or second fastest behind Rusty Wallace. And we passed Rusty Wallace on our old tires. And and I'm, I'm talking the way what my, what my team said. And we came in and we changed the shocks. And we went back out and I... I was in, I, you know, I woke up a month later. Wow. But yeah, it was the, it was the hardest hit ever recorded. It was 128 G. And I think, yeah. And I think, and I think, and this was twice, uh, 128 G's twice in the millisecond. And they said that my body in the millisecond weighed like 14,500 pounds. Wow. You know, almost, and I was only 150, 155 pounds back then. And, and, you know, this is, again, this is concrete walls. This yeah. isn't, you know, so that I got to applaud, you know, NASCAR and all the engineers or all the people, you know, making these places safer for the drivers. It scares me to look at these short tracks, though, because these guys are going just as fast and, and they're still hitting concrete walls. So hopefully, uh, you know, whether they're doing something to the cars or their seats, you know, they, a lot of these tracks can't afford, you know, these safer barrier walls, but I think they really need to uh, realistically be thinking about it because it, it's a it's a lifesaver. Yeah, I mean, you know, just reading the press releases, and I remember that day or, you know, when that happened, and I was just praying for you so hard back then, and, and, and you were given a 6% chance to make it through that. I mean, the odds were against you, but I think that goes back to, what you've said throughout the interview, you're a fighter and you might get not, you might get knocked on your butt, but you're going to get back up. Yeah. I mean, I always, I obviously was raised good, you know, great parents. And, you know, I feel that it wasn't my time, but I remember everything, you know, I remember after the accident, I, I remember lit bits and pieces after the accident in the hospital when I woke up, you know, three, four weeks later. And I remember wheeling myself around, in, in a, uh, a wheelchair and, you know, going to rehab. And I used to get so pissed off at rehab because I, I, you know, your phone number, you know, how can you not forget your phone number? And I didn't, I couldn't remember my phone number and I couldn't remember my address and I couldn't remember, I was calling people by different names. <laughs> you know, so it was a pissed off moment for, for five, six years. I was, you know, I was still, um, healing and, you know, even when Jay Fry and the, and the race team wanted me to come back and race again, I couldn't see that happening. You know, I, I didn't, you know, nobody was living in my body and nobody know, knows how I feel. And, and I think I'm, I'm basically justifying, you know, Hey, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm, I mean, I think, I feel like I can go in, get in the car and, and go semi-fast as fast as I used to. And even, you know, six months after I got let go, or actually it was a year, about a year after my accident, I went testing with uh, MB2 um, at a short track in Concord. And the actual test went really, really well. The only problem is I couldn't feel my brake foot, my brake pedal foot. And I could, and I was seeing three other cars. <laughs> Instead of one car, I was seeing three cars. So, you know, I, I didn't, feel like I was ready. I didn't, you know, if I really, if, if I had to, I would probably would have done it. And I, I probably would have risked my life. I probably would have been risking my life a lot more. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, 
the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. And I think with, you know, Dr. Petty told me, he pulled me aside. He said, Jerry, if I was you, I would choose another profession because your next hit, you, you most likely won't make it. You won't, you know, you won't make out of it. So it's scared. You know, I think a lot of it scared me. I wish he wouldn't have said that, but you know, I think it, it scared me and I, I had kids and I, you know, I didn't want to, I don't want to jeopardize my time from, you know, to leave and, and not have anything, you know, for my kids or be with my kids or, or help my kids, um, or teach, you know, I just, it's, but don't get me wrong. I am the biggest race nut, you know, in the world. I'm, I, I, heck, you know, I'm, I'm going dirt racing here in Bristol, you know, for the world outlaw dirt late models. I'm going to go to, to the sprint cars at, at Bristol. I go to Gaffney to go watch some races up there. So I'm still, I'm still a racing nut. I just, I'm just not in the seat like I used to be. Right. And, and after, after the crash, you know, you, you know, you, you went through all that and then you, you had, um, depression with the loss of your racing career. Now, was that more so because of what Dr. Petty said? If you do this again, take another hit like that at Richmond, you, you could potentially not walk. Yeah. I was in a dark place for years. It was tough, but you know, you got to understand, I, 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 racing was my life. And, you know, I think after my accident, you know, we, me and my dad built a, a dirt track, a little dirt track at, at the house in Troutman. And we ran go-karts and we had other race drivers, David Gillen, a couple other, I think Matt Crafton came up there and did some racing with us. So we went back to what we used to do, what we used to have fun. And I enjoyed it. I loved it. But then my dad, um, my father, who my who was my hero, you know, had had cancer, and and he passed fast. I mean, it literally, he got diagnosed. I was going. But here's the story. I I was going down to Sebring to go test for BMW and in, in road race, and I took my dad to the, the VA hospital to get checked. I went down to Florida to go do some testing. And I get a phone call while I'm down there, and my dad's got ATC, which is antiplastic thyroid cancer. And, you know, they didn't give him but, you know, two or three months to live. So, yeah, that, that was the dark times, you know. You know, the divorce, the, my dad's death. You know, yeah, I went through a tough time. And, you know, I continue, I continue to pull myself out. I, I'm, I'm remarried. I have a, a, another child. And, you know, life is good. I just, yeah. I, I just, I wish there was more things for me to do out there. Who got you through those uh, dark times? Beefed and chewing tobacco. <laughs> uh, movies. I watched a lot of movies and I ate a lot of pizza. I felt like I had a really cool, safe home to live in. Uh, I was a loner. I was watched a lot of movies. I played, back then it was Beefed, but today, you know, something like Deal's Ash. Um, I, I'm sure you heard those, the penny auctions, yeah, which yeah, yeah. don't, don't, yeah, don't get involved because it's expensive because 
yeah, I, I, I spent whatever I won. I, 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 a lot of it, I, it costed me. So, um, you know, I, I did, I did a lot of gambling. I, I had fun with, uh, poker and, you know, but I was, I was more of a racer. I was more of a racer and I, I like to stay on my own. Plus I had a shop. I had a shop to maintain. I have, you know, that's one fortunate thing when I, the money I made, I, I, I built a, a building that I now lease out and collect from and it's still standing and place looks great. And it's, it's, it's leased out for another, uh, four more years. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm in a good place. My kids are good. My, my, my wife is good. My, you know, I think it's, it, we're in this COVID time that that's not really cool right now. Right. And, and do you take any of that, any of your experiences with the racing and your past? And because I, I see here, you used to mentor drivers like David Gilderland and Jeffrey Earnhardt. Do you use your experience and what you've been through and say, Hey, heads up, do it like this. If you know, if somebody would have, like you said, if somebody would have told me, are you telling drivers like that coming up now? No, you know, I, I, I got out of it. I got out of it a long time ago. I just ran out of it. I'm not sure why. I don't know if the, the depression hit again, but when I did the David thing it was fun. Uh, that was cool. I was going to the races with him and then I got tired. I think I got tired because I was going to the tracks and I wasn't doing what I used to do. And I enjoyed mentoring. I enjoyed helping them. But for me to be at a track, I don't need to be. I'm not good at it. I, I don't know. I just didn't feel... I, I, I so much loved being the racer, the driver, uh, the, the person that has to do something out there, whereas I couldn't do it anymore. And I think I was at Kentucky, and I think I, I was on the tower because I was fought for David Gillen, and, and I looked over the tower, and I said, oh, shit, I don't need to be doing this anymore. You know, because, you know, it's, I, I didn't have a good feeling. I didn't like how what I, what I was becoming, you know, being just a spotter, you know. I feel like I'm better than that. I feel like I need to be doing something more worthwhile than than just being a spotter. Don't let don't get me wrong, I love helping people. You know, I have two racing simulators in my basement. Uh, but anyway, going back to the story with David is I was at Kentucky and I told him, "David, this is my last deal with you." I did. I pulled him aside. I said, "Listen, I don't care if you ball the thing on fire." I said, "You got to prove something right now. You have to do something right now." You know, he went out there and won the race. He beat he beat you know two or three cup guys, and literally he went from that race and he was driving the twenty eight uh, Robert Yates car. Wow, that's awesome. So yeah, that that was fun. But that, yeah, that was my last deal. I I did actually no, it wasn't. They, I I got asked to go help Jeffrey Earnhardt, and I. That's when I decide, you know what, I don't need to do it anymore. I worked with them for a little bit in the truck, and I was in Phoenix. And I remember I had that bad vibe, that bad vibe mentally. I, I, I was like, I don't need to be doing this. I need to be doing something else. I was on the tower, and I just didn't feel right. I didn't feel good. I feel like I, was, I need to be doing something else. That was my last deal. I did that, and I never went back to, never went back to a race. But now I feel like I'm way better than I was you know, whatever that, whenever that was five, six years ago, you know, the last five years, four or five years, I've been doing the ride and drive, uh, which is fun. But it, again, there's nothing that I know of right now as far as that, as far as that stuff going on. And, and man, I mean, that's such a amazing story there, Jerry. I uh, appreciate you opening it up like that. 
I, I dare say, um, unless Preston has any other questions, you have uh, anything else for Jerry? Uh, no, I don't think so. He uh, got man, to learn a lot about man, him. That was awesome, Jerry. I no, we can do it again. I got. I know. I, I'm. Uh, I tend to ramble on a little bit no, uh, okay. too much, but no, I, I. I had. I enjoyed my life. I had so much fun. I, I think. I think NASCAR and all the people, the opportunity to get there. You know whether it was NASCAR or F1, I was getting somewhere or Indy cars and I made it, you know, I, cho- I chose it. I came from nothing. I, I, I literally came down to Charlotte with $150 in my pocket and I made it to NASCAR. So I, you know, I hope that there's kids or people out there listening. There's ways to get somewhere. I don't care if you want to be the president of the United States, there's ways to do it. I wouldn't say president, but you know what I mean? No, no, absolutely. Whether yeah, whether it's football or, or anything. So, yeah, no, I had fun. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, um, and you know, just before you go, I, I, I think it's important for people to hear this and hear other interviews you're on because um, to forget a driver of your caliber and what you contributed to the sport in such a short time, not <clears> only NASCAR but overseas as well. I mean, you've accomplished so much, and I, I feel like you coming on here not only opened my eyes more to you and how much I appreciated watching you growing up while I started getting into NASCAR, but, you know, others to research you and watch races with you, well, watch highlights. Well, good. If they're good, I'm, 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 it's awesome. But I, if there's someone listening and think that they can use me for something, please don't hesitate to call me because I know my wife get, wants to get rid of me, wants me out of the house, wants me doing something. So yeah, if there's anybody out there, if there's anybody out there listening, please uh, get a hold of me. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll push that out too on social media. But uh, real quick, um, if you ever if do you ever find yourself in um like Sumter area, Sumter has a speedway, and I know Sumter has a dirt track, and then Florence has a speedway here in South Carolina. If you're ever down there watching events, uh, let me know. I'll meet up with you. Yes, for sure. I know I'm going to Bristol. I'm I'm a huge dirt fan. I'm going to go to the late models and the the sprint races down there in Bristol. We got our places. We got our, our tickets. I'm going to take my family, my wife, and my kids. And then the next race, I think the sprint race is I'm gonna, it's just going to be the boys. It's going to be a boys weekend. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that'd be good. And if you like dirt racing, it would be the Sumter Speedway you want to look up. It's a old rundown dirt track, but I tell you what, there's some good racing there. But I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you hearing your stories, hearing where you came from, and I hope to meet you one day. All right. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, guys. All right. Thank you again, Jerry. All right, Preston. Before I wanted to get into our next segment here, I wanted to remind all the fans out there listening on your regular podcast platform or on the Unhinged Sports Network about our partnership with Fanatics, where you could get all your sports gears needs ready for the 2021 season. For maybe NASCAR, I'm buying some NASCAR t-shirts, hats, and getting ready to go to Daytona and support the teams there and support NASCAR. But not only just NASCAR. You could get any hockey stuff. I get Washington Capitals gear there all the time. I get. Uh, I just ordered some more Vegas stuff off oh, of there. See, you could get anything you need for any team that you want on Fanatics.com. If you head over to our Partners tab on, in, at InTheMarbles.net, all the way at the bottom, you'll see a link to our Fanatics page, and it'll start you off at NASCAR, but then you could branch off and go anywhere you want. That's InTheMarbles.net under the Partners page for Fanatics and Anything will help out the Unhinged Sports Network. And if you want to listen to the Unhinged Sports Network, you can head over to unhingedsn.com or just click under the Unhinged tab at intomarbles.net and click on the link and it'll take you right there. That's unhingedsn.com. 
Go check them out. White flag, white flag, white flag. One lap to go. One lap right here. Final thoughts here in the marbles, and that was your episode and final episode or final conclusion, I should say, of the Jerry Nadeau episode. Man, what a great interview that was, Preston. What a great guy. Yeah, he really is. And uh, Jerry's a stand-up guy, and I'm glad to have somewhat of a little bit of a relationship with him. Hopefully, it'll grow over the years, him with the show and us personally. But yeah, it was just really, it was just really cool to talk to him. It was really cool to. I love all the insight that he gave, like over all the stuff that he can, you know, I mean, it's like he remembered his entire career. He just doesn't just, remember that day. What, yeah. what amazed me about that day is that that hit registered, what do you say, 128 Gs yeah. twice within 14 milliseconds? Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that. He weighed, they said he weighed 14,500 pounds. Yeah. Can you, I mean, jeez, oh. and a 6% chance of coming back, man, that guy's a tough fighter. And like I said, remember Jerry, you know, he's not forgotten. Like, show him some love, find him on Facebook and just say, hey, man, yep. I talked to you and, you know, he loves talking racing. We want to have him back on. He'll definitely be back on. Mm-hmm. But again, thank you, Jerry. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. For and real. That was, uh, again, I still flabbergasted that we got to talk to him. Before we get started with our driver to week this week in NASCAR. We have in the Marvel 2.0 standings. Ooh, SM- I know how this goes. SMR Operations, yourself, Preston, still in the lead. 555, 565 points. Gosh, I'm still dyslexic, man. Matt Camper, 527. SMR R&D, 509. Summers Racing, 478. 43 and me, 470. Tied with S-Blades with 470 in the fifth position. Unhinged Racing, 464. Myself, I'm in eighth with 434. I probably didn't pick the best lineups there during Homestead. I dropped from fourth all the way down to eighth. Bun three, uh, 326. Chuck 8384, 317. Smoking Woody, 303. Shake and Bake, 118, which I think that was it from last week. But that's your in the Marvel 2.0 standings for the $100 Amazon gift card handed out at the end of the year. And I'm going to leave it up to you, Preston. Do you want to start off with Driver of the Week, or do you want me to do This Week in NASCAR? I can start with Driver of the Week. All right. Who's our Driver of the Week this week? I got a little bit of an idea looking over social media this past week, and it just came back to me. And I said, you know what? Why not? We'll do this guy. Driver of the Week this week is Bill Lester. Remember Bill Lester? Yeah, I remember. Oh, yeah. He's coming back. Yeah. So full name, William Alexander Lester III, born February the 6th, 1961, Says he's an American semi-retired professional racing driver because he announced he's going to come back and race the truck series, hopefully, when they go to Atlanta. I, th- I believe it yep. is. Uh, which I don't think they've announced what team yet, but Lester previously competed full-time in the truck series from 2002 to midway through 2007. Lester was NASCAR's only full-time African-American driver during that time. After that, he moved to sports car racing, competing in the Rolex sports car series from 2007 to 2012. And he also competed part-time in the same series from 1998 to 2001. He did run two races in his Cup Series career. I don't think they were very notable finishes. He raced at Atlanta and then at Michigan in 2006, both 2006. Ran one Xfinity Series race, which was at Watkins Glen in 1999. But here's the bulk of his stats in NASCAR. 142 races run over eight years in the Truck Series. Best finish in points-wise was 2003 
finishing 13th. His first race came at the 2000 Line X 225 in Portland, and his last race was the 2007 Toyota Tundra 200 in Nashville, scoring seven top tens altogether and three poles in his truck series career. And in the Rolex Sports Car Series running from 98 to 2001 and then 2007 to 2012, where he started a total of 52 times, accumulating one win and two poles, with his best points finish being third in 2011. So Bill Lester is our driver of the week here at In the Marbles, and I just figured, why not? Nice, man. I, I, I remember Bill Lester. I remember Bill Lester, too. Hopefully he comes back and knocks it out of the park. Well, I don't know, but... We'll it'll see. It'll still be cool to see him back it'll, again. It'll still be cool to see him race again. And for this week in NASCAR, we go back to March 1st, 1970. James Hilton holds off a furious rally by Richard Petty to win the Richmond 500. It is Hilton's first career NASCAR Grand National Series win and his first start in a Ford after years of campaigning for Dodge for years to be exact. And that happened March 1st, 1970 at the Richmond 500. Impression, I dare say that is our 76 episode wrapped up. And what a great one it was. What a great one it was. Uh, I'd like to thank Jerry again for being a part of the show. Make sure if you haven't go back and listen to the first part of that interview, you know, catch it all because he's a great guy and glad to have him on. Preston, do you have anything else before we wrap it up here? I've got nothing else. I just hope that we're maybe we could be talking about some more controversies by this time next week after hey, Las Vegas. It's Las Vegas. You never know. Viva Las Vegas, baby. That's right. Well, make sure to tune in to our race day show at 9 a.m. on the Unhinged Sports Network. Race day unhinged for all the insight you need for that fantasy lineups. You might not want to go with mine. <laughs> not looking so good so not, far. <laughs> not looking so good, but maybe Vegas will be a change around, but Preston, if you have nothing else, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. I'd like to thank everybody so much for tuning in to us this week here in, in the Marbles. A special thanks again to Jerry Nadu for being a part of the show. Hope to have him back on in the future. Make sure to head over to InTheMarbles.net for links to all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And make sure to go check out Race Day Unhinged exclusively on the Unhinged Sports Network at 9 a.m. every race day for all the latest that you need to know. For Preston Loon, I'm Matt Beamer. Thank you again so much for tuning in to us this week. Stay safe and have a good rest of your week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.